Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will see how God has grafted the nations into Israel to become one new man and one people of God in Christ. The Apostle Paul spoke about God's promises to Israel in Romans chapter 9. He said, For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ, for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom according to the flesh Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Before we discuss the grafting into Israel of the Gentile nations, we need to acknowledge God's blessings and promises for Israel that we just read about in Romans. And we need to understand Israel's symbiotic relationship with the Gentile nations and how these covenant promises are shared with them. Romans chapter 9 gives us a summary. And we see that all of God's promises, as Paul said, were for his countrymen according to the flesh, whom he called Israelites. There's not one single promise given for any other nation or people group on the face of the earth that does not somehow involve Israel. Paul further articulates in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, At that time you Gentiles were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This alienation left the Gentiles without any hope for eternal life and salvation, and without any hope for an eternal relationship with the God of Israel. Yeshua himself said in John chapter 4, salvation is of the Jews. So let's break down Romans chapter 9 into the various aspects of God's promises for the Jewish people. First, we see the promise of adoption. This is God's assurance that he would draw Israel unto himself and be their father. In Jeremiah chapter 31, the Lord said, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. And he goes on to say, For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. So just as Adam and Eve were orphaned from God through their rebellion, so now all who are in Yeshua are given the spirit of adoption and return to our Heavenly Father. It says in Galatians chapter 4, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So God's adoption was promised to the sons of Israel. Next we see the promise of God's glory. In Isaiah chapter 46 it says, I bring my righteousness near, it shall not be far off, my salvation shall not linger, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. And so again, we see that God's glory was promised to the sons of Israel. Paul then mentions the covenants, and I believe scripture speaks plainly for itself in this regard. Every covenant from Abraham forward was for and with the nation of Israel. And most importantly, 
was the new covenant that Yeshua made with his Jewish disciples. It says in Jeremiah chapter 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. We see again that God's covenants were given to the sons of Israel. Next, we see the giving of the law, and there's a lot of controversy on the subject regarding the Gentiles. We address these in other teachings, but let me affirm that salvation is by grace alone through faith in Yeshua and not in any works of the law. We need to understand that while the contractual terms of the Old Covenant, which contained blessings and curses, have been annulled by the New Covenant, God's eternal law cannot be annulled by Israel's failure to fulfill their end of the contract. So let me explain. A covenant is similar to a legally binding contract. And under the old contract, when Israel failed to obey the law, they were judged according to the law. But under the new contract, if anyone fails to obey the law, there is grace. And Yeshua did not come to abolish the law. It says he came to fulfill it. In John chapter 14, Yeshua said, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And since Yeshua fulfilled the law perfectly, all who believe in his atoning works on the cross, both Jew and Gentile, now come under God's grace. However, grace does not give us a license to sin. So in the giving of the new covenant, God promised that he would write his law on our hearts. And when Yeshua returns to Jerusalem to establish his messianic kingdom, he will also restore the temple and the Levitical priesthood. Israel will keep the law, his appointed feasts, and his Sabbaths. And Israel will also instruct the nations how to walk in God's law. It says in Isaiah chapter 2, Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And Paul said in Romans chapter 3, What advantage then has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? Well, much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. And so again, we see that the law of God is and remains for the sons of Israel. Paul then mentions the service of God, which is the priesthood. Now, the Lord had promised that Israel would be to him a kingdom of priests. However, because of their rebellion, the Lord chose Aaron and his sons to hold this seat until Yeshua would come. Yeshua is called Malchizedek, or Malchizedek, which translates King of Righteousness. And so now all who are in Christ are priests and ministers unto the Lord. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Again, God promised his priesthood to the sons of Israel. And lastly, we see the promises. It says in Genesis 22, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So this verse clearly speaks to the Messiah who would come from the seed of Abraham. But the Lord also promised to bless the nations through Abraham's descendants, which is Israel. 
the Lord said in Genesis chapter 12. He said, I will make you a great nation, which is Israel, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And the prophet Isaiah spoke this about Israel in chapter 27. He says, those who come, he shall cause to take root in Jacob. Israel shall blossom and bud, and Israel shall fill the face of the world with fruit. So God promised his blessings to Israel, and he promised to make Israel then a blessing to every nation on the face of the earth. Now, by now you must be thinking this teaching is all about Israel, but it's really not. This teaching is actually really about Yeshua and his earthly kingdom, which includes all of the nations. In Acts chapter 15, it says, God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. But the question is, how do the Gentiles become recipients of the promises that were for Israel? Well, it really happens the same way that any Israelite receives them. They must believe and receive Yeshua as their Lord and Savior, and they must be born again of the Spirit of God. So that now in Christ, we are all adopted children of God, and we are all now called the descendants of Abraham and the seed of Isaac. So there's no distinction spiritually between Jew and Gentile. We are spiritually one in him. Peter said in Acts chapter 10, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So when the Gentiles accept Christ, they are immediately grafted into Israel. And Paul uses the analogy of a cultivated olive tree into which wild olive trees were grafted in. He says in Romans chapter 11, If some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. So Paul is telling us that some of the natural branches, who are Israelites, have been removed from God's kingdom because of their unbelief. And Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 8, And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Paul says that the Gentiles, being wild olive branches, have been grafted in amongst them, which means that they've been grafted in amongst the Israelites who are in Christ. And he says that the Gentiles have been grafted into Israel contrary to nature. So, in other words, it was not natural. So, what does the grafting of real olive trees look like? Well, simply, grafting brings two types of trees together as one species. Wild olive trees are known for having bitter-tasting fruit with large, stony pits, while cultivated olive trees, on the other hand, produce fleshy, juicy, and pleasant-tasting fruit with smaller pits. But there's another advantage. In the olive oil industry, grafting extracts the hardy roots of one variety with the fecundity, which is the fertility, of another variety. The whole point of grafting is that each part of the grafted tree keeps its original character. For example, the variety used for the rootstock may be resistant to fungus or other pests, while the grafted tree, on the other hand, may have weak roots but large fruit with high oil content, and the resulting tree has the best of both varieties. Wow! 
Could this have been God's plan all along, that he would graft the nations into Israel, which is the root, to create for himself one people who would yield the best fruit by utilizing the spiritual gifts and the highest qualities he has given each nationality? I think so. In the second part of the version in Romans, notice that Paul uses the word partaker, which means to share or participate along with others. So the nations get to share and participate in Israel's promises and blessings by being grafted in amongst them. And these promises include the adoption as sons of God, the glory of God, all of the covenants, the giving of the law and the oracles of God, the service of God, which includes the feast of the Lord and the Sabbath, and the promise of resurrection and eternal life in Yeshua. The prophet Isaiah foretold this when he said in chapter 56, the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so if you are hidden in Yeshua, then you will be revealed in Israel. Why? Because Yeshua himself is an Israelite. And you cannot be in the presence of Yeshua and not be in the midst of his people, Israel. God and his people are one. This was Yeshua's most important prayer to his heavenly Father that we read about in John chapter 17, that we would become one in him just as he is one in his heavenly Father. And to become one new man in Christ, you and I must also become one with his people, Israel. Together, Jew and Gentile, formerly called Gentiles in the flesh, are now called the Israel of God. And I use the word formally because it says in Ephesians chapter 2, it says you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And together we are called to provoke unsaved Israel to jealousy. And together we will fulfill God's call to restore Israel. Israel is still the place of God's inheritance, which now in Yeshua encompasses all of the nations. The Lord declared in Deuteronomy chapter 32, it says, When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, and Jacob is the place of his inheritance. The inheritance of the nations, and therefore the church, is intricately connected with Israel. So dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as one new man in Yeshua, Jew and Gentile, grafted together, let us advance the kingdom of God by provoking Israel to jealousy and sharing the great news with all who are perishing and making disciples of all nations in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Amen.
If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.